0: Welcome to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hammerker. In each episode, she'll talk with your favorite romantic suspense authors. They will take you behind the scenes of the writing process, giving excerpts from their writing, and share stories about their writing life. Before You Find Me by Sherry Schofield Tara Webster is finishing her freshman year at West Texas A&M University when she receives a frantic phone call from Jessie, her little sister. Uncle Charlie wanted your horse so he could pay off a gambler, but when Gran wouldn't agree, he pushed her down the stairs. She's dead! Tara, whose parents died two years earlier, knows she must spirit her sister and brother and her champion horse out of Texas while Charlie is away for the day. She remembers a ranch in Montana, and Ben, the boy on the neighboring ranch who befriended her years ago. But will Charlie be able to find them in Montana? And what about Ben? Will he still be there? Tara has only one day to rescue her family and their inheritance before Charlie returns. Will she succeed? Hi,
1: and welcome to this episode of The Romantic Side of Suspense. I'm your host, Sarah Hammerker, and I'm so glad you joined me. Today I'm talking with Sherry Schofield, an award-winning Christian author and president of Faith Wind for Kids, a ministry to children and their families. So welcome to my show, Sherry. Thank you. So before we dive into um, talking about writing and your, your Romantic Suspense book, um, let's I'd love to hear a little bit, can you give me a little like short synopsis of Faith Wind for Kids?
2: Faith Wind for Kids is a ministry that my husband and I have where I write books about Jesus and we give them away to children in our city. We kind of have targeted our city to be the recipient of these books. And we also gave a number of, we gave 2,000 books to the Montana Native American Reservation Pastors. And we gave about a thousand to Mexico uh, for our work there to our church um, so we're oh, that's trying to be trying to be useful
1: <laughs> yeah, so how many how many books
2: do you how many different kinds of books do you have? um I have two books that I give away, one for adults and one for children one the one for children is called "The Prince and the Plan." It explains the plan of salvation to children. And the other one for adults is God, Where Are You? Uh, it's also for teens. But I also write, um, I have a true book about some, a crime that we experienced called One Step Ahead of the Devil, and I've got uh, romantic suspense books. And I'm, I'm just getting started in the field, so um, I'm just getting started with the adult side of it but most of my work has been with children for over 40 years so that's been my focus until now
1: so what has been the um the hardest thing of switching to write for adults adult fiction for writing for children because they're very different audiences
2: (laughs) yes um i have done some writing for adults i i did newspapering and um, church newspapers and writing for plays and things so I'm not totally unfamiliar with adult writing, um, and I've done a lot of reading in it, but the switch was a little bit more difficult because you have to have more content when you're writing for mm. adults than you do for yep. children.
1: And so, how have you, you know, and what, what have you done to, you know, to get that content? Is it just expanding the storyline? Did you have to add secondary characters? Kind of how, what was your process for your first? For your first book,
2: the romantic um, Generally, book. okay. Yeah. Um, I picked I picked uh, four four characters to highlight a woman and three men in the first book, and had put myself in the place of those different people as I wrote about their perspective on the crime that had happened. Um, it it just helped fill the story out from different approaches because not everybody sees things the same way. So you have to take mm-hmm. into account that someone else might not see it the same way at all. Um, yeah, from so, the
1: Yeah. Go ahead. No, no you go ahead.
2: Uh, from the main character's point of view, of course you get the whole picture. But from the uh, secondary characters, you kind of get a different approach and see how they think about it and what their responses are and how, what, how that's going to influence their actions.
1: Right, yeah, that was going to be my question. Do you have those four different points of view? And you, you've answered that. So um, so yeah. how, did, how did you decide which characters to, to do points of view from? And for our listeners, a point of view is you feel like you're seeing it from that character's perspective.
2: Well, the protagonist, of course, is is the main character, and she's a woman, young woman, and then she has a, a young man who cares about her, so he has a voice, and how he responds to the things that she's telling him and what she's experiencing. There's uh, a deputy sheriff that is handling the case, and uh, there's the villain. So I'm trying to tell it from those points of view to kind of give them a more full picture for very different viewpoints.
1: Yes, yeah. um, I enjoy in my longer form fiction, I write some short novels that only have two points of view because, you know, 55,000 words or a novella, that's all you have time for. Um, But I do enjoy offering the additional secondary character points of view um, Uh because I think it does give the story a little bit of a richer flavor and... You can see some extra motivations, perhaps, whether it's the villain or someone you think might be the villain and
2: <laughs>
1: all that kind of well, thing. So I,
2: you yeah. really do have to work on the villain part, too, because you want him to be somewhat likable. But on the other hand, mm-hmm. you don't want people to really like him a lot. But still, he needs to be human. So you right. you need to spend a fair amount of time um working on his character. What I do is I, I like to do character sketches beforehand as to how the different people would would react to different stimuli. Um and then when I plan the book, uh I I have the beginning part all written out and I have the end part written out and suggestions about what should happen in the meantime in between the beginning and the end. And then I fill those out as I go.
1: Oh, interesting. I usually know where I'm going to start and how I'm going to end and just kind of, but I don't write the ending until I get there. Oh, so. yeah.
2: I don't write the ending, but I go into a great deal deal of detail in my own mind as to how that ending going to oh, come together. Yeah.
1: I don't always. Um, sometimes I'm not 100% sure of who's going to. I have a couple people in mind for the the protagonist, the villain, and sometimes I change my mind. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> who's gonna be the bad guy? Who's gonna be the mm-hmm. the one? Um sometimes I don't, but sometimes I'm like, Hmm, because I don't want I don't want everyone yeah. to guess and I'm not always hundred percent sure. Um so are you so it well, sounds like you're more of a plotter then?
2: Yes. I, I like to uh put it from the various different people's point of view and in this particular case of um, the romantic suspense I just finished, um mm-hmm. it was all right straight up front. Page one, this is the villain. This, These are the main characters right at the beginning. Page one, you've got that. You've got the, the protagonist. You've got uh, people who are working with her. And you've got the villain, all in the in first chapter, lined out, spelled out. And you even have a mention of the future hero in the book also.
1: Yeah, I know some books... Can name of it is like well why was he doing this is he going to get caught are they going to figure it out mm-hmm. um, yeah it can be different well I, I that's what I one of the reasons I love about writing romantic suspense is that we have you know that freedom to you know make it mysterious who is it or we can reveal uh-huh. it and then show well are they going to get away with it are they going to find, figure it out are they dot yeah. dot dot
2: <laughs> yeah. It depends on the story entirely as mm-hmm. to how I approach that one. Um, I like um, I like this intrigue to be as to how how can she get away from the bad guy in this first book. That was the big plot. How can she protect herself from this murderer and what she does, the steps she takes to protect herself, and how the murderer finds her anyway.
1: Right. Yes, Um, and it's nice to change it up. I mean, we still have the formula of a happy ending, and, you know, which is one of the reasons I do like writing romantic suspense as opposed to just like a straight suspense or straight thriller um, is that I like to give readers that satisfaction of, you know, the hero and heroine are together, but how do they get there? You know, I hope they enjoy that journey and that they figure out the, the mystery is... Satisfactorily resolved, and and the mm-hmm. villain gets their comeuppance. However, yeah. that looks like sometimes it's yeah. you know you know jail. Sometimes it's
2: they're dead. <laughs> yeah.
1: Sometimes they it's a different kind of. It just really depends on what what seems to be fitting for the for the situation yeah. um, of it. So, what do you find is um, the most rewarding part about writing romantic suspense?
2: I'm not really sure that I have a favorite part. It's all just Uh. (laughs) um, very enjoyable. I I like every part of the book. I'm satisfied when I reach the ending. The ending Mm. feels good when I get there. It's like I've tied up all the loose ends that I've left through the book. Like everything in the book is going to be tied up at the end, even if it's a romance. It's going to be tied up. There will be loose ends in it, and there will be surprises. I will have a surprise at the climax. And there will be things in there that people don't expect, but then when I say, all right, here's what happened, they're going to go, of course. Yes. So, because I've left a trail like breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> right. And I don't I don't know about you, Sherry, because you, you sound like you plow a little bit more than me, but sometimes... I'm more of a panster, so I'm more the story just kind of unfolds in my mind and I kind of write it, uh-huh. even though I know mm-hmm. the kind of story arcs and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes I'll be writing and I'm like, oh, well, that's what—that's why I did that in Chapter 5 because <laughs> it points <laughs> to something that happens in Chapter 15 or Chapter 17 or something yeah. like that, yeah. um, which I always find kind of yeah, funny that way that –
2: yeah, sometimes the characters take off in your mind and do things you don't expect. Yes, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, they
1: do. It. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, oh, that's what you're going to do? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm constantly surprised by my characters because they always do different things sometimes than I expect. And I'm like, oh, you mm-hmm. felt that way about it. Okay, So, yes, dear listeners, our characters talk to us. We talk to them. They tell us things that we didn't expect. It's all normal Mm -hmm. in the writer's brain.
2: (laughs) Yes. And it will work out, and there there will be a good ending. I also like to tell my stories from the first-person point of view as though it were me living through it. That really helps me to really get into the story. What would I feel? How would I feel if this happened to me? So I I really like to be in the book myself. Yeah. And imagine how I would react and then how the other people around me would react based on what my knowledge of people is. So then not everybody's gonna react the same way. Um,
1: right. Right. But you need to make it, you know, believable. So some people say, Well, I might not do that, but I know someone who would or I've seen someone who does it and that kind yes. of thing. Yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Sherry, but unfortunately, we are out of time, so thank you so much for being on my show. Sure.
2: Thank you for inviting me, Sarah. I appreciate it very much.
1: You have been listening to The Romantic Side of Suspense. I'm Sarah Hamricker, and today's guest has been Sherry Schofield, an award-winning Christian author. She's also president of Faith Win for Kids. You can find out how to connect with her Um, in the bio notes for this podcast and stay tuned for a short excerpt from one of her latest romantic suspense books before you find me
0: now an excerpt from before you find me by sherry schofield my best friend jenna and i had just finished lunch at west texas a&m when i got the phone call that would take me away from texas the last friday in march of my freshman year Gotta go, Jenna, I said, pulling the phone out of my pocket. It's Jess. She never calls during school hours, so I better see what's up. I put the phone to my ear, waving at my friend as she turned and headed for class. Hey, Jess, what's up? Tara! My 12-year-old sister sobbed. "Gran is dead! (laughs) What? I gasped. Opening the hall door, I stepped outside from the noisy crowd. Charlie killed her! I saw him! Oh, no! I was stunned into silence, listening to her cry. Does he know you saw him, honey? No. Are you sure? Yes, she sobbed. Uncle Charlie was here at the ranch yesterday. Liam and I had been out fishing. When we went back to the house, we saw his car. Then I heard Charlie yelling at Gran. So I told Liam to take the fishing poles into the barn, then to stay out back with the horses, until I told him it was safe to come out. Then I sneaked up to the living room window, and I looked through the lilac branches to see what was going on. Charlie wanted Gran to give him money or sell something. He'd been gambling and owed somebody a lot of money, but Gran wouldn't listen. She said it was something he would have to work out on his own. He kept yelling at Gran, "You gotta give me Sundance! I owe Gino a lot of money, and if I don't." Tara, you can't have him. This this was about him wanting my horse. And who's Gino? I I don't know who Gino is. I just know Gran wouldn't let Charlie have Sundance. But he kept arguing with her, saying his life was in danger, and he promised to give Sundance to Gino. Gran kept saying no. They were right at the top of the stairs. That's when it happened. I could see it from the window. A shiver snaked up my spine. And then he went down the stairs and, and felt her neck. When he stood up, he called 911 and told them he'd just come into the house and saw Gran at the bottom of the stairs and she was dead. He said it must have been an accident. Jess sobbed loudly. But he pushed her. I saw it. The weirdest part is, he took her wedding ring off her hand, too. I don't know why he did that, but it made me mad. Are you sure she's dead? I couldn't quite believe it. I found a bench in the shade and quickly sat down. Yes, yes, yes. The ambulance came, and they took her away inside a black bag. (laughs) My stomach churned. Where's Charlie now? He flew back to Houston this morning. I heard him making a phone call first. I think he was talking about Gino. I heard him say something about Sundance. Why didn't you call me sooner, Jess? Charlie took my phone away! and locked it in Grant's office, so I couldn't use the office phone either. Then he called Sylvia, and she came over to watch us. Sylvia was Charlie's local girlfriend when he was in town. I knew he had another girlfriend in Houston, too. Sylvia was blonde, pretty, and about 35, I guessed. She's downstairs in the living room now watching TV and drinking something in a tall bottle. I don't think it's beer. Charlie told her to keep us in the house until he got back and not to let us use the phones in the office or her phone either. She fed us lunch, then I told her we'd like to go to my room to be alone. She said okay, so we did. How'd you get your phone back? I thought you said Charlie locked it in Grant's office. Well, uh, you know how Gran always liked to leave her office window open just a little? Jess said, trying to control her sobs. <laughs> After lunch, I climbed out my window and walked around the roof to the office window and climbed in. <laughs> it was easy. <laughs> "'Oh, good girl,' I said, reassured Jessie was not too scared to plot a way out of this mess. "'Where are you and Liam now?' (laughs) "'We're in my bedroom. I locked my door and turned on the TV so Sylvia couldn't hear me. (laughs) "'Then I called you.' Anyway, with the TV on so loud, even if Sylvia came up to the door, she couldn't hear me. (sighs) She took a deep breath. Is Liam okay? My little brother was seven. He's been crying off and on, and I think he's pretty scared. Of course. I'm sure you're taking good care of him, Jess. They must be paralyzed with fear. Listen, Jess. I'm coming home. I've got to get you out of there. The trip will take me a couple of hours, maybe a little more. Here's what I want you to do. Get out some jeans and shirts for you and Liam, and put them in the duffel bag you use when we go camping. Oh, yeah, and put hoodies, shorts, socks, and underwear in, too. Put an extra pair of shoes and your riding boots in a pillowcase. You'll need your coats. Put them on top of the duffel bag, then put everything in the closet and close the door so nobody will see it. (sighs) Okay, Tara, I can do that, Jesse said, sounding calmer already. I'm going to drive in the back way and park behind the barn. Sylvia won't be able to hear or see me. Then I'm going to climb up the tree to your window, so leave it open a crack for me. (sighs) Got it. I put the phone back in my pocket and headed for my dorm room. I didn't hesitate. Yes, I had plans for which I'd need a business degree, but sometimes life takes us down roads we do not expect, and the road I was walking seemed to be taking me down a different path than I'd planned. I'd just have to postpone things for a while. I'd contact the college later and see about making up finals. I knew I had a greater responsibility than college— My family came first, and I must protect them no matter what. I was the only one who could rescue them now. Thanks for listening to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hammerker. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. You can sign up to receive notifications of upcoming podcasts and listen to previous editions at sarahhammerkerfiction.com.